Hello and welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and man who was raised in the darkness, molded by it. I did not see the light until I was <laughs> a grown man and by then it was blinding because of stupid fucking daylight savings time. It might as well be pitch black right now. I'm sorry. I just, I hate daylight savings so much. Uh, Kava Taharian. And I'm Batman. Um, I'm Angelina. Uh, me and I'm, I'm Batman. No, this this uh, really, um, every time I, you know, winter comes around, I forget about like my seasonal affective disorder until like daylight yep. savings time kicks in and then the sun's really just the setting worst. at 4 p.m. It can be a gloriously beautiful day, but like the sun setting that soon. And then it's weird when the night is so long. That's the thing that I don't understand. By like 7 p.m., I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Which I'm like that every day, but usually when there's daylight, <laughs> right. it's not as intense. Right. Usually when the daylight's there, you you can say like, okay, there's a reason to like be awake. Um, yeah. Oh, I can go outside. There's stuff happening. Right. And then it's like, I'm, everything's pitch black. Yeah. Now it's like. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't think this has anything to do with what we're discovering today. I just wanted to put that in there because. Maybe somebody that's going to be future president or future, you know, whatever speaker of the house can finally get this shit sure. resolved. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. No sw- one likes it. It's dumb. I'm going to swing for the fences right now um, and say yeah. try to tie it in. But um, a lot of the show is about kind of like living through a long night. And um, look at that. I didn't go. even know. It's just I, it's just just like not knowing what your life is because of someone else's um, iron grip on things like how clocks work. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. No. Yes. Uh, so today we're doing uh, something called a musical called Gypsy, which I know nothing about. And of course, we'll say at the top of the show. Uh, I'm we're both aware that this is no longer a term that uh, we use. So we apologize. But also it's like that's the name of the show. So we'll do our best to, you know. Like I said, P- PSA, it's not a good term. Don't use it anymore. There's there's context. But again, yes, <laughs> this is not a good word. We're, we're using it because the context of the show, this is what it's called. Yeah. But yeah. So what's the uh, I, I don't know anything about this show. I don't know. I don't have any context for it other than it was a show that it seems to be some sort of like a it's like a heavy hitter, right? It's like a big one. It is um, kind of considered one of the great American musicals, maybe by some uh, the greatest American musical ever written. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It is kind of like um I was trying to think about this show and how would I like if I wanted to summarize this show to somebody and be like, you should watch this. It's um, what if Logan Roy was the stage mom? Like there's going to be succession references <laughs> out the ass for this. Um, but yes, this is this is a big show. This is kind of like and in the context of this, this came out a few years after West Side Story, the same year as The Sound of Music, um, kind of at the at, at this really big transitioning point of like how dark and psychological shows start going. And a lot of it is kind of put on the shoulders of this show. It's the easy rider of musicals in terms of uh, the transition from uh, studio filmmaking into independent filmmaking and and having all those that new Hollywood starts there. So this is like new Broadway almost. Basically, yeah, that's actually a really great way of putting it. Like it kicks off uh, just a tremendous movement and what what the, what the book musical can be. And I know a lot of people really mm-hmm. like the show particularly because the book is so good and the songs are so well integrated okay. that it is like just kind of this seamless a uh, really funny but also dark and sad uh, uh, glimpse into just a, a, a mother-daughter relationship. 
I personally first saw the show right after around the time I got into West Side Story in middle school. A lot of the creative team is the same as West Side Story. So there's that overlap. Um, and like it was like, a oh, I should watch this because there's like two filmed versions of it, like two actual like camera mm-hmm. film. Pro shots. Yeah, not even pro, like, yeah. There, and there is a pro shot, too. But like the, uh, there is an actual Hollywood oh. movie that was made a TV movie. Oh, there's version. two films. Yes, okay. Two film yeah, versions. Like actual Actually, movie yes. movies. Yeah. yeah. OK. OK. There's gotcha. a, a film that was released in the 1960s starring Rosalind Russell. There was one released in 1993 that was made for TV. And then there's, uh, I think, one pro shot, but there might be two. I'm, I'm like, like off the top of my head, spinning okay. my wheels here. But um, yeah, it has gotten around. Like it's this show is uh, it kind of yeah a chestnut. Um, I think someone once called it. I might actually have it in the notes. Broadway's answer to King Lear, <laughs> uh, okay. in terms of its importance to the to the art form. And is it playing anywhere currently? Is it, is it one of those shows that's just always on there's or in the West End? Someone's or always like doing it. Like there's always at least a, like a regional production of it going on somewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, this last revival, the one that we are watching today, um, was done in 2015. So that was like the last huge stage version. Oh, so it's more recent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's been it's if you go to the Wikipedia article for it, it is just like nonstop million of them. nonstop productions of it and um with a lot of heavy hitter actresses in it as we'll get to <laughs> yeah oh okay i got a little confused so which one was the one that you watched initially like oh, when you first saw it was it good question uh that is the 1960s version starring uh starring rosalind russell that arthur lawrence who wrote the book infamously hated um it also stars natalie mm-hmm. wood and so i saw that again at the same time i saw west side story and was just kind of obsessed with this because like okay it was just so dark and weird and different than anything i'd ever really seen at that point when it came to music Obviously, like things have been written that are way darker <laughs> since then. But at the time, sure. I was just kind of struck by how like this is sad and real, how very real it felt like it is the um, epitome of like what having a controlling parent is like, um, like just okay. put to screen. Is there like a Simpsons reference or like a pop culture reference that I can hang my hat on and understand? Oh or? boy, are there? There are so many songs in this. You're going to be like, I've heard that song and this is where it's okay. from. Um, even the phrase, everything's coming up roses comes from this show. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Everything's coming up Millhouse. That's probably like one of the most famous references. It's been riffed on 8,000 times, but like, yeah, okay. this is just kind of like, you're going to see it and it's going to be like, oh, it's like watching oh. Mystery Science Theater as a kid and then not getting the joke. And then you see like, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf for the first time? And you're like, suddenly so many jokes mm-hmm. make sense to me. <laughs> Gypsy's kind of like that. Um, so yeah, that, okay. with that said, let's just get into the notes. Yeah, let's note it up. Yeah. Okay, so Gypsy, a musical fable often referred to simply as Gypsy, is a stage musical with music by Jules Stein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, mm-hmm. your boy, oh, my boy, and a book by Arthur Lorenz. Lorenz Lorenz is what I always think of. Uh, based loosely on the 1957 memoirs of burlesque artist Gypsy Rosalie. Oh, so her name was Gypsy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was her stage name. So that's ah, where okay. the, the title so it's comes not from. Even it does not concern itself with anything remotely related to it. But yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gypsy specifically focuses on Lee's turbulent childhood and rise to fame under the guidance of her mother, the domineering and difficult Rose Hovick. A failed performer herself, Rose lives an itinerant life with her two young daughters as they make their rounds on the 1920s vaudeville circuit, forcing the spotlight upon both the older, deeply shy Lee, then known as Louise, and the more extroverted and outwardly talented younger Baby June. It's like Uncle Baby Billy. Yeah, Uncle Baby Billy, Baby uh, June. It's, this is the follow-up to that. <laughs> Baby June. <laughs> Struggling for money to expand their act, Rose erstwhile seduces and marries a former sales agent named Herbie, who is actually a little uh, punch buggy, just so yeah. you guys know. He Herbie goes, beep, the beep. car. Yeah. 
Beep, beep. Just doing that. Uh, convinced that's a very old. Re- if you know that reference, it's time to go get your uh, colonoscopy. Now. Truly. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> convincing him to step up as the girl's manager. But as Louise and June grow up and as Rose's scheming becomes more controlling and heartless at the expense of their happiness, both daughters begin to flex their independence to the detriment of the act. Will Louise learn to assert herself against her domineering mother? Will baby June and her newsboys become the hottest act in town? Is everything coming up roses? All this and more in Gypsy. Beautiful. Hailed by critics is as, quote, what may be the greatest American musical of all time and... Quote, Broadway's answer to King Lear, as you previously as mentioned. <laughs> uh, the original production opened at the Broadway Theater on May 21st, 1959, famously starring Ethel Merman. It closed nearly two years uh, after 702 performances, winning zero of the eight Tony Awards it was nominated for. Despite this, Gypsy has gone to have two film adaptations made and countless productions across the globe with leading ladies like Angela Lansbury, Bette Midler, Patti Lapone, Tim Daly, and Bernadette Peters stepping into the role of Rose. This production we are watching is the film version of the 2015 West End revival starting Amelda Staunton, who I do like. She's I a love very her. good actress. She, she's a tremendous musical theater very actress. Intense. And I yeah, it was super intense. And I think, um, so I, I want to clarify, I've not actually seen this particular production of it. Um, and part of the reason why I chose it is like, I wanted to see what people have made of it in 2015, you know, in this big high mm-hmm. budget uh, production of it. And also, I just really love Imelda Staunton and I've heard nothing but like incredible rave reviews about her performance in this. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. The 90- Showing you a little bit of red beat of something to be excited right. about. I feel like the 2023 version would be. Uh, it's a kid who's really famous on YouTube and the parents are the <laughs> right. ones that are like creating all the videos and forcing them to become influencers. I feel like that's what Gypsy would be in 2023. I'm hoping it's something similar to that. Basically, I mean, honestly, like nailed it. If you were going to do like if this is Broadway <laughs> Shakespeare and you're updating the setting of it, like you could you yes. could map it on perfectly to that. Like, I feel the like the song is called Like and Subscribe. Right. Just these kids being like, like and subscribe, ring that like bell. and subscribe, ring that yeah, bell. Ring that, bell. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it would be. Um, it, it, a lot of this in thinking about it, cause I've not watched a production of it in a good long while, but in, in, in thinking about it and mapping it out, it does kind of sound like not like true crime. If you read anything about the real Rose Hovick, then it really oh, does okay. start going yeah. into true crime. And maybe we'll talk about that in the second act or of this uh, episode, mm-hmm. but, um, the second act. yeah, I could see like an HBO documentary about this being made or at least a Hulu one, you know, <laughs> like this whole, okay. this whole life story. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like, um, also the, like I guess Endgame for a lot of Broadway actresses is playing Rose. Like Rose is kind of like that's this is your Everest. That's this is it. Your yeah, peak of the mountain. Yeah, like this is your this is your Hamlet. This is like this is what you work towards, especially if you are a mezzo soprano and not like you know some ingenue. This is a role made for like dark sad oh, for mezzo sopranos too. Yeah, for mezzo sopranos. Like that. Yeah, that's, yes. That's much more of my uh, range of what I like to listen to. So that's actually heartening to hear. That's good. I love it because it's like one of the few shows where like the songs are incredibly challenging acting wise. But I'm like, I can mm-hmm. sing those notes. I can hit those notes. Thanks. So I can't wait to yeah. age into playing a horrible mom if that ever happens for me. Uh, let me play a horrible mom. But uh, yeah, this is kind of the the be all end all. I think everyone's goal is to play Rose at some point in their career <laughs> if, if, if mm, like if they're musical yeah. theater um so yeah. yeah so the king lear parallel is very apt in that sense yes yeah exactly and like i've seen both patty lapone and bernadette peters in this uh not even barring like the other two movies with rosalind russell and bet midler bet midler's great a lot of people have seen that version i almost decided to do this one but i erred on the side of 
let's do a live theater thing and something now. Um, but yeah, so uh, b- both incredibly different takes, Bernadette Peters and um, mm-hmm. Patty Lapone. Patty Lapone is just kind of you know being Patty Lapone, <laughs> just Lepone. like being terrifying. And Bernadette Peters approached it with like this real. I could see her eating this off. Oh, I could see her just fucking eating incredible, it. Incredible, um, incredible stuff. Um, one of the best things I've ever seen. Same with Bernadette Peters, honestly. But that that whole revival in like 2003 was a bit of a mess but Bernadette Peters played it as this very fragile sad woman versus like this mm-hmm. like dynamo Ethel Merman like shrieking to the back. I don't give a fuck about your feelings like that kind of energy yeah. Um, but yeah so I'm excited to see what Imelda Staunton does with it because again did, love what's her. her name ever play it uh, I've always forget her name I just think of her as uh, the mom from 30 Rock uh, Elaine fucking, Stritch uh, Colleen oh, yeah Elaine Stritch did she ever play interesting it interesting story so when they opened it on the West End in 1974, they originally mm-hmm. had cast Elaine Stritch as uh, ah. Ma- but she backed out because, or rather, I think uh, they let go of her because advanced sales were kind of slow, and then they brought in Angela Lansbury. So Angela Lansbury, uh, replaced, yeah, yeah. So uh, shocking, right? Like I could that, see Elaine Stretch would be really funny in this. I feel like she could pull it off. She, I think, would like legitimately bodies would have ascended. And I think maybe the universe knew that like we weren't ready for that, and they're just like, you know what? This will be what ends civilization as we know it. If Elaine Stritch plays Rose, it's too in much this. awesome. We it's can't handle too, that. It's simply too much awesome. Uh, so we got Angela Lansbury, who of who is a very popular Rose. People love her uh, turn as that, but um, yeah. Uh, just just wasn't meant to happen in this lifetime or the next. Uh, but, you know, Elaine Stritch, we pour one out for you. So this is basically like a uh, it, so- it sounds also to me a little bit like um, the film parallel I could think of is is uh, Terms of Endearment, like a James Brooks kind of like sure. fucking jam of like a, do- a complicated mother daughter relationship. Yeah, that's a great. Yep. Great thing to bring that in. It kind of has that vibe to it, too. So this is, again, based on the memoirs of um, Gypsy Rose Lee, who was a burlesque performer. She also had a daytime show like she made a name for herself. She was like, it's kind of like um, like any celebrity tell all where you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, like just like mining the depths of like my parents screwed me up. Hey, man, good for you. That's uh, that's if you got you to get rich off of it, at least. Yeah. I mean, like so like I, I believe the story and I might have this wrong. It was either the producer or Ethel Merman or both read the memoir and we're like, we got to fucking make this a musical like this absolutely we got to get on this like now like the book had just come out and then by 1959 like it came in 57 i think and then in 59 they're like let's do it we got the musical it's like if somebody um with all due respect uh, made the britney spears uh i was actually just thinking that too as you were saying i was like that was the first uh that was the other thing I was thinking as, I was, yeah. as we were talking about it. I or, was like, I feel like that would be a basis for what this ends up being if they end yeah. up doing it further down the line. Did you read, a, I'm uh, glad, uh, the Jeanette McCarty book, I'm Glad My Mom Died? It, like, I, I'm thinking a lot about that, no. too, in, in, in writing this. Oh, man, that's uh, the the girl who was on iCarly, who played, like, the best friend, and, like, her horrific stage childhood life. And it's really good. It's really funny. Um, this is just kind of tangential at this point, but I do feel like, actually, this kind of is related to this musical, too, and, like, this kind of relationship uh, that... I guess narcissistic mothers uh, in particular can build with their children. Um, it's it's yeah. a, again, heavy subject. Um, no, this will be interesting. Cause I, you know, as you know, my former job as a assistant director in film, I definitely engaged a lot with um, studio teachers and parents and kids and working hours and stuff. And I saw a little bit of, I mean, I'll save my judgment until after we watch this and I'll, if I have any insights on it, but like there is this sort of interesting thing that I noticed that, well, I mean, not interesting, I should say unfortunate, where like a system sort of creates uh, a kind of person and vice versa. And it sort of like feeds into each other and sort of makes people worse. It's almost like yeah. I, you could, you see the narcissism but you also see like the, nar- the actual production itself, like creating more narcissists as a result of it and being the only way to handle it. 
it's really sad actually and fucked up to see it. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's, that's what that this, 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 this sounds, uh, what the show's about. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready to buckle in. Great. We're going to have a great time on this one. We're going to have a lot of fun. There's like so many good zippy ass songs. You're like, I know that song. And I know that song. And like, there, it's a funny book. Like the book is very funny. There's a lot of jokes, but boy, it is a little bit Dark Night of the Soul. And different productions have handled the ending <laughs> differently across the years. So again, I'm very excited to see how this show handles it. Because some try to end it on like a more positive note. Some try to end it on like... Yeah, Dark Knight of the Soul. So, yeah. so we'll okay. see. I'm, I'm really pumped. Um, anything else you want to get out there? Uh, no, I think uh, I'm ready to go see it. I think we're about ready to take our break. So let's go ahead and watch uh, the 2015 yes, version. Yes, the said? 2015 West yeah, 21st, End. 2015 West End version of Gypsy, and we will return and discuss. Sing out! Kave, sing out, Kave, get. How do, you, how do you like them egg rolls, Mr. Goldstone? We are we are back. Chow mein. I just wanted to eat a lot of chow mein yesterday, right. the other day, thinking like, about this. I kept thinking about egg rolls and chow mein, right. not euphemistically, just literally. I was like, that sounds good. I haven't had chow mein and egg rolls yeah, in a while. Yeah, same. I, I had the same thought. I'm glad we had the, the same important takeaway from this, like right off the bat. We're just getting like right into <laughs> the stuff that matters, which is that uh, Rose is very right when she says uh, she doesn't really trust anyone who doesn't like Chinese food. And I'm like, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, very um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's do this summary as quickly as we can, because I actually have quite a lot of thoughts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, about about this show, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. So um, <laughs> let's let's try and speed run this more than we usually do. OK. All right. Um, so, you know, Rose is this mother of two girls, uh, baby June and Louise. Um, she basically is, a, as we said in the first half, she's a stage mom. The show opens with them on stage trying to do this number and they're not doing a great job. And then. The guy who's like some goofy Uncle uh, Jocko. clown. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Jocko is just like, yeah, I don't know. We're trying to like fucking whatever. We need to get on. They're on stage with all these other kids and they're sort of their number is weird and creepy and has this like it kept reminding me of sexy baby voice from 30 Rock. Where she's like, I'm just a sexy, <laughs> sexy baby. baby. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So they're, 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 they're trying to perform that act and then like, they're kind of getting railroaded by like the production yeah. team and it's just not working out. And it ends with like Rose. Cause they don't want moms on stage. And that's how they establish right away yeah. that Rose is like not the mom to be played with. I don't give a fuck. She does not give a fuck. She gets up there. She's like ruining the other kid's costume. She's like directing. Yeah, popping the balloons. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, like, it's this kid wearing all balloons as their costume. Awesome. She just pops it. She's like, get yeah. the fuck away. Yeah, she's like, do you want basically a badass? I bitch want my lover. kid standing around my fat, that fat balloon is like what she <laughs> says. It's uh, like it's just right up the front. She's cold, and so like they get kicked out, and then it's like it goes back to like her house in Seattle, and her dad's there and religious, and basically Rose is trying to figure out a way to get more money to like beef up the act so they can get on like a bigger vaudeville circuit. Yeah, try and to go to Los Angeles like, specifically yes. is where they want to go. She's like, I need to get, I think it's like $83 or something to be able to get to Los Angeles. Bucks. 88 bucks. I'm sorry, it's 88 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. yeah so, you won't get 88 so, cents out of me, right? Like, sorry, I know, this, this thing's hard-coded to me. No, no, no. Yeah. And then, so she's singularly focused on this, uh, you know, seemingly she's singularly focused on the career of these girls. She's been divorced thrice, I believe, or twice. Yeah. Twice at that Something time. Like twice that. at that time. Yeah. yeah. She And her dad's like, just don't worry about it. Settle down. Get married. And she's just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, what the fuck's another man going to do for me? Which admittedly, you're like, yeah, what the fuck else? Right, uh, right, right. So she's like, I'm, I'm going to make sure I give my daughter an opportunity. My daughter's the opportunity that I never got. And right. basically sort of like bull in her dad's. And she's like, I don't want to end up like you with a fucking gold, stupid ass like plaque on the wall for having worked your whole life and not gotten anything. 
And he's just like, well, that's a that's that's a great thing that I did an accomplishment. But she's like, yeah, dad, whatever. Go to sleep. And then as, as soon as he goes to sleep, she seals it and pawns it and takes the fucking money and runs. Right. And then there's like a little montage on the road where like there's basically like yell, t- yanking other kids away for their act as they're on the road. And then uh, they end up basically um, it, there's it's like kind of like a really great like little time shift as to like, oh, they've kind of beefed up the act. And now you have Dainty June and her like farm boys or, or it's, or it's yeah. baby June or farm boys backup dancers. and uh, right. And uh, as they're on the road, she meets this former agent named Herbie who like used to be in sales then, or used to be in talent and then got into candy sales. Cause mm-hmm. like it was just, he kept giving his commission to all the people that he managed and basically went bust. A good guy. He just, he's a he good cared guy. More about giving people, getting people what they were uh, rightfully owed rather than, you know, getting right. rich off of it. Right. And Rose sees this and is like, I'm going to like bang this guy <laughs> and like this, this guy, like it's a very Machiavellian. This guy is going to help me out. Cause like I can get yes. this guy to represent my daughters and give us more legitimacy for this act. And like, so as it goes on, you keep seeing their like baby June and her newsboys act. And then it kind of transitions again to the girls being like slightly older and it's Louise's birthday. She doesn't know how old she is. Cause their mom yeah. keeps changing their birth certificate. It's like her and ninth lying. birthday for the, like the fifth time in a row or something that at this point they're all like in their teens and they're pretending like they're nine years old. Yeah, like they're still doing the same like ki- like corny kitty routine. Yeah. And uh, uh, basically Herbie gets them signed with this guy named Mr. Goldstone and they all kind of ignore Louise. It's like, it's just like, like yeah. Louise's birthday is immediately just forgotten. Doesn't matter. In the face of like, oh, the act is now um, uh, going to be on the Orpheum circuit. Yeah, because it's always about June. June is like the more yeah. outwardly talented, like mm-hmm. kitty star. Extroverted. And Louise is just extroverted yeah like hi everybody my name's june what's yours she plays the part she knows what's up she knows what's up and louise is just very kind of awkward and hasn't come into herself and so the mom puts a lot into baby june Mm -hmm. versus louise um so now they're on the orpheum circuit and uh basically they go out to this one uh theater to audition for like this big theater producer Oh, once again, Rose is over domineering everything and kind of like mm-hmm. ruining things by picking fights with like the staff and this guy. But the guy says, um, um, you know what? I don't want the act, but I'll have like June. I will send yeah. June to theater school. June has potential. And of course, Rose like fucks it up immediately because it's like <laughs> she doesn't want her daughter taken away from her. She's constantly like. Even though, like, it's also, like, a ploy to, like, get them more roles, she's also uh-huh. just kind of in their head, they're still her babies, and, like, yeah. cannot, like, even conceive of the idea that her kids might benefit from being outside of her shadow. Um, and so, like, June and Louise just talk about how they wish their mom would marry Herbie, and, mm-hmm. like, And meanwhile, she's few- dragging Herbie along this whole time, and she's just yeah, like, I'll yeah. marry you one day, because Herbie's in love with her, and he's like, I want right. to marry you. And she's like, okay, once we get to... It's basically yeah. like, maybe we'll get you ice cream, like, once we get, like, later, if you're <laughs> right. good while we're at the store. Right, uh, and exactly. she's like, maybe I'll marry you once they get to vaudeville and once they reach this level. So she just keeps like fucking dick teasing him all the way to marriage. I guess marriage teasing him, not dick teasing the opposite. She uh, keeps saying like, when are you going to get used to me? Like, that's like the, the yeah. line that she has. I think they both say like, when are you going to get used to me? And the thing is, it's just like, oh, it's it's stop, it's starting to not be cute. Um, and then erstwhile, one of the boys in the group, Tulsa, is like developing his own act. And like mm-hmm. Louise catches him and he has this like long moment where he's describing this beautiful vaudeville act. And you see like this kind of hunger in Louise's eyes to kind of yeah. be seen 
as desirable and as like someone who could be a star and also just seen as a woman and not because Louise is constantly forced into like boys clothing and is like, yeah. again, undersold by her mom as just someone worthwhile and worthy of interest. And just as Louise hopes, get up, uh, Tulsa and baby June leave and elope yep. and, or dainty June. Now she's dainty June. Yeah, at this dainty point. June. She's, she's five foot four now. Um, and can't be baby June. There's this reoccurring joke of like, that like three foot six bundle of dynamite. And as you keep seeing the act, her height keeps getting yeah. like bigger and bigger. Um, but so yeah, baby June leaves. Rose has like this moment, like of just like, Oh my God. And you think, and like Ro- Herbie's trying to like basically say like, Hey, you know what? Like, let's just fucking let's, it's yeah, fine. It's done. Like let's just down. time to settle down. Louise is really excited. That's all she's ever wanted is some sort of like home life that's stable. And of course, Rose has this moment where she's just like doubles down and she's like, oh, my God, I've been ignoring you, Louise, this whole time. So essentially, she sees like another option uh, to continue pushing forward on this path and then has this really big. uh, What's the number called? It's um, everything's coming up roses. Everything's coming up roses. And that and that kind of ends the uh, the first act. Yeah, it's kind of like a monkey's paw scenario where Louise is finally getting her mom's attention. But it's for like the worst reasons it's mm-hmm. it's her mom saying like mm-hmm. i can continue baby june's dream but put that on you and then so the second act starts with um louise starring in basically a copycat just it just like basically mapped it's mm-hmm. except women instead of boys called madame yep. rose's tori adorables and it sucks it's the same act and it's clear that like this is not what louise is meant it's to lost do its spark. it's lost yeah. the creative spark yeah it's it's just like it's dead it's like you tried to make fetch happen you're never gonna make <laughs> fetch happen like it's done the tori adorables are not happening but but like that's it's this thing about Rose that she can be very charming and convincing, and you know, so she mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. pushes uh, Louise and Herbie to soldier on, and they end up getting booked at a burlesque theater yeah. that is using them as a front so they don't get arrested by the cops. Like it's like, oh, here's yes. some wholesome entertainment, so you know we don't get arrested for um, you know, just just having indecent strippers, exposure, basically. kind of whatever yeah. stuff because everything used to be illegal. Yes, exactly. And uh, uh, Rose is at first like very pissed off about this. She's like, my daughter will never perform in one of these Mm -hmm. places. These places are blah, 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 blah. But as like, you know, drama's happening, Louise meets three of the burlesque dancers and like they have this conversation about how like it's not necessarily about talent, but it's about a gimmick. And like it's Mm -hmm, like not mm -hmm. enough to not have talent. It's about having a gimmick and having something special about yourself that makes you stand out and makes you a star. And uh, so basically Rose agrees to do two weeks there and because it's like mm-hmm. this is the last gig they're going to get like it's established like this is it you know like this is kind of no where more. this act yeah. is dying there's no more and she also agrees at the end once again to Herbie that she will marry him after the two weeks and then two weeks pass seems to be going well then the headliner for the burlesque uh, show drops out and Rose she is gets, I believe she gets arrested at the yeah, uh, bar next door for I think right. she's trying to solicit sex is, is that yeah, what the she, it's soliciting was? sex yeah, yeah for soliciting and uh rose who you know was all like no my daughter will never immediately is like well so what like june could do it like or not june sorry louise could do it oh louise i should say that louise right. also point, earlier now- yeah or louise also did read lines for a comedian at the theater too like yes. there was like that whole thing but like she sees the burlesque like starring like uh lineup thing and is like, oh, Louise can do it. It's just you're not even gonna take off all your clothes or yeah. anything. You just gotta get out there and 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 talk to them. And Herbie is horrified by it, and Louise is like super reluctant to do it. And that's kind yeah. of like where Herbie's finally like, I gotta go. Like yeah. this is like Herbie not only calls she... off the marriage and fucks off. Yeah. Louise goes out there and then they do this whole fuck another montage of like different shows that she's doing in all these places and then becoming more and more popular. She ends up becoming like 
the most popular burlesque dancer in the country and is like rich and everyone loves her and fucking was, is it Vogue that wants to come take photos of her? Right. Um, right. Or Harper's Bazaar or something. One of these bigger like magazines wants to come photograph her in a tub. And uh, Rose is like, oh, my God, like doesn't basically she's sort of cut ties with Rose a little bit or like Rose has become increasingly less and less involved in her life and her decisions and most importantly in her success. Uh, and Rose can't have it. Yeah. And Rose, like Louise is also enjoying her success. too. Yes, like for once in her time. life, she likes performing and it's something that like her mom really can't control or doesn't understand mm-hmm. anymore at this point. Like what Louise does is so out of Rose's wheelhouse and is so now part of a different world that like Rose never had access to that she desperately wanted. And it causes this huge rift. And yeah. Rose basically says like, well, why do you think I did it? And Louise says like, oh, cause you did it for me. And it sets off Rose having like yeah. this massive meltdown. <laughs> she was not ready to hear that. No, she was not. She has uh, kind of like one of the most famous songs in musical theater happens. Just like, it uh-huh. is the moment. It is like the meltdown where mm-hmm, she's just mm-hmm. like, She's realizing, like, her her kids have abandoned her. She did all of this for all these other people. But at the end of the day, she did it because, like, she wasn't born at the right... Like, what she says, was, she wasn't born at the right time. I think the line right was, like, time. I was born too late. Or she was like, yeah. I was born too early and then came... What did she... I wrote it down, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a good line. I can't even remember it. It is a really it. good was, line, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, basically, she's like, I was just born in the wrong time for this. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, subtext between which under what she's saying. Yes. You know, it's not she thinks she was too talented and, you know, just wasn't given the right opportunities that her daughters got, you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, just has like this meltdown over it um, and basically asks like, when is it going to be my turn to get what I want after doing so much self-sacrificing to better up my daughters? And uh, that happens. And then basically there's a short scene where. She and uh, Louise briefly reconcile and Louise invites her to go to Gives this her her like party. this nice boa that she has. She's like, you can wear it. And she's like, OK, I'll wear it. And it's so it's implied that they're sort of like, OK, at the end where like she's yeah. now going to be sort of under. She, I don't think the story implies that she's going to be normal, but I do think it implies that there's some sort of understanding on her part of like, OK, yes, maybe I did go a little too far and I'm trying to control everything. And it's actually about this other thing. And that's sort of where it ends. And it's it's funny because like the impl- I, I, my reading, especially especially of this staging, is like she kind of limps behind Louise like a yeah, sad yeah. old dog in this, and mm-hmm, it is like mm-hmm. they reconcile, but there is like a sadness to it, like <laughs> an immense yes. sadness to it. And some some productions have actually cut that scene and just kind of mm-hmm. end it right after Rosa's turn. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a very bittersweet kind of ending, and that's it. That's that's yeah, the, and that's that, that's Gypsy. Um, um, what a show! <laughs> so. You know, I don't say this lightly, but this is probably one of the just dramatically speak. Again, I always make the joke dramaturgically speaking mm-hmm, uh, in, ter- in terms of drama, in terms of character, in terms of complex relationships, in terms of like the way that the story unfolds. Uh, this is just absolutely one of the best things that we've watched. Like, yes, hand, hands down. Like, yeah, the uh, the the reputation of this being like a King Lear role for the lead. And like all of that is, is well earned. I believe it's, it's very true. It's Rose is like a fucking fascinating character to watch. Yeah. She is so complicated. Yeah. She's so interesting. She's yeah. so like, I was just thinking about, it, I'm like every scene she's in every scene almost, but like she just, every scene is tense that she's in. She adds tension to every fucking scene of this show and you can't not watch her. And it's masterfully played. It's masterfully played. She, uh, Imelda Staunton uh, in this, having a meltdown. In yeah. yeah. 
she is. Uh, so that's why I said I'm like, I'm trying to gather, like, how do we go through this and like talk about all the points I wanted to talk about? Because there's quite a lot. Um, but just sort of the top line of it is like as a piece of dramatic work, it's phenomenal. And it's it's something to be studied and it's something to be picked apart and dissected and to understand how you write characters, how you write character relationships, how you write realizations, uh, how you structure a story so that a character arrives at a specific catharsis uh, that was very, very powerful. Some of the songs, obviously, I'm just going to get bored because I'm bored with that with that kind of medium. But just as a piece of drama and as a piece of stage work, I was like, holy shit, like, yeah, this is fucking incredible. She was and again, Amelta Staunton in particular is like, yeah, you fucking she delivered the goods. That's some fucking like top tier shit. That's like, yeah. Yeah, you I, did it. Again, I've seen this, I've seen multiple productions of this, have enjoyed pretty much every single one of them immensely for the very different takes that people have on this character. But yes. uh, her in particular, I think maybe is my favorite version that I've seen. Obviously, I never got to see Angela Lansbury or Ethel Merman if I had a time machine. Who knows? There's a lot of other problems in the world that maybe I'd go back and fix, but um, but also I'd sneak in that too. But mm-hmm. um, Melda Staunton for me is kind of like the cream of the crop the best yeah. I've seen in that role just because um, it's very easy to. So the, there was a Patty Lapone version that um, was done in 2008 and it's kind of notorious for her kind of like scream, like straight up just screaming yeah, yeah, her I way through that. it and like kind of being really big and uh, like downright monstrous in moments yeah. and just like scary. And then before that was the Bernadette Peters one where she's just like this sad, like wilting flower who's like only driving mm-hmm. force is her kids at that point. And um, and then if you watch like the Bette Midler version, so she's I, almost that kinda... showed up in Amazon. So I watched like a couple of minutes of it because I didn't I didn't. Unfortunately, the turnaround for this episode was longer, was not as long. So I didn't have as much time to watch it. I did watch some of the Bette Midler version and it gave me and I understood why the um, uh, Amolda Stunton version works so well. Personally, I like Bette Midler. I think Bette Midler is funny. Like I know that like not everybody loves Bette Midler. I haven't, I don't have obviously not familiar with all of her Broadway stuff, but just like in film and in, as an actress, I always thought that like Bette Midler is funny. So that didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. The thing that's interesting about it. And, and this is not necessarily like a slight against Bette Midler. And I didn't watch the whole show, so I can't say it, but it just made me understand what I liked specifically about the Staunton performance is that Bette Midler came at it as like this, charming kind of goofy funny which is what Bette Midler is and that's what you get with a Bette Midler and then you sort of see this sort of angry streak underneath it Mm -hmm. which is what ends up being controlling and it's in some ways less interesting to watch a person who's outwardly happy be secretly angry but what what you realize watching and I didn't realize this until I saw the Bette Midler one but the thing that Imelda Staunton does is like she comes across as like this kind of stern angry driven person And what you, in fact, end up seeing through her is the opposite, is that you're like, oh, this person actually has this like deeply fucked up, sad, kind of like vulnerable, like wounded thing underneath her that just comes out in these like little pockets here and there that ultimately sort of come out as the, you know, the the catharsis at the end. And it's like that little, you know, these trails of like little fucking nuts that you're putting on the trail that you're following until you actually get to that whatever gingerbread house of of like of exposure of it is what makes it so interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like Bette Midler rewatching it because I hadn't seen that version in a really, really long time is like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very kind of like, oh, she's very charming, manic pixie dream girl. Like, look at her yeah, just yeah. chasing her dreams. And then, you know, she has the moments where she like dramaturgically has to snap, you know, and like <laughs> yeah. she does. And it's like it, it's not a bad performance. There's a lot of things I really like about it, but it's it's 
it's not my favorite interpretation of the role. And I love mm-hmm. Bette Midler and I still yes. enjoyed it immensely. But like Imelda Staunton kind of always plays it like and I, I say this saying I have a very good relationship with my mother, but all the same, mm-hmm. you know, that feeling when your mom is about to fucking snap. Oh, you know, and like you're yes. just like riding that, that. like she it's not before she it's not as she's snapping. It's that yeah. like energy right before she is mm-hmm. right before, you know, like she's fucking pissed or she's unhappy about something like yeah. Melda Stone kind of sustains that throughout the whole show. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's the energy she has where you're just like, cause Patty LaPone, like, you know, you're going to piss her off. You know, it's coming, but like Melda, you just don't know when you're going to get that. Right. Like, even though having seen the show 800 times, I'm like, I know when, but the energy is such that like, it's living in that constant dread of your mom about to snap at you. Will not show that. you that she's about to snap. Like that's yes. The, it's like you're at, you're at a, you're at company. Your company is over or you're at someone's house and you're like, Oh, my mom's going to beat my ass later. But so she's just giving me a look to be like, Oh, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, when you do have the moments where it is her sna- like getting sad and vulnerable and like still, yeah. still with this anger underneath it, it's kind of like, not a relief, but like, yeah, just like, oh, like when she reads um, June's goodbye letter and you just see her fall down through this emotion of extreme, you know, betrayal and anger. But then there is mm-hmm. this sadness where you see it as her daughter rejecting her. And yeah, like this is yeah. a woman who's clearly had a lot of people coming in and out of her life. And she never, you know, like gets so like, oh, you know, about it that like you forget that anger. But then she kind of uses both of those feelings to build into mm-hmm. this kind of manic like, it's OK. It's OK, Louise. Yeah. We'll figure out you. And it translates as like she's like grabbing Louise by the scruff of her neck and being like, you'll be swell. You'll be great. You know? And it's just like, this is, this is, Oh God. Like that again, that same energy. Like I can't throw this momentum off for my mom or she will fucking like break entirely. Yes. Yes. Like, and and writing wise too, what's so so interesting is like they give her, you know, as far as how the story is written, it's like they've, they've present, they've created this character that is fascinating to watch and very interesting and kind of, I don't know, I wouldn't quite call her like an anti-hero, but I did sort of think of her as like, I thought when you talked about the succession parallels, I was like, that's actually very apt. Like it is a very, like I kept thinking about the interviews that they had with Brian Cox before he started, um, before he started doing the show. And like, apparently the first question that he asks the writers like Jesse Armstrong and them is like, does Logan Roy love his children? Mm. And the answer is yes. And he's like, and he's like, and that was very important to me because if the answer was that I don't love my children, then it's not interesting Then I'm just being mean. And he's like, but as an actor, he's like, if you if I love those children, he's like, it becomes a lot more complex. And I'm like, he's like, you can add all these layers of like, I'm delusional and I'm fucked up and I do all these things. He's like, but I'm doing it out of what I perceive to be love. And he's like, and that colors all the decisions that I make, however horrible they are. He's like, yeah, I, you know, and like this had a very similar thing to it to me where it's like. And that's what I mean by the tension that she she like every scene that she's in has tension and that she's clearly loves her kids she clearly wants yeah, you the don't best doubt for her that kids. yeah i don't doubt that for a second she's fucking it up brutally yeah <laughs> she's yeah. letting her own ambitions get into it she's ruining their lives in the process and of the, like a lot of people around them but she loves her kids i i mean i at least that was my my reading of it my interpretation of it, interpretation of it is i don't feel like if you love your kids you do that to that extent i think if she didn't give a shit about her kids she could have just fucking abused them and left them and gone and done whatever and fucked off. Right. Uh, I don't think that controlling your kids again, however awful it is, doesn't necessarily mean that you, and that's the thing about love, right? Love is fucked up. Like 
love is deranged. Like love can be this, unfortunately, very toxic, bad thing. It doesn't mean that you're going to make the right decisions. But, you know, the essence of what it is, is that like, I do believe that she loves her kids in, in this in this story. That's that's what makes part of like Rose's turn so tragic. And it's kind of this thing like that I've thought a lot about as a parent and that even even if you don't have kids, if you're sitting there and watching and thinking about this song. Yeah. Um, the idea that you grow up and you go away from your parents in some capacity is pretty much like that. That from As a parent, you want your kids to grow up and be independent. Yes. And like that's a goal. But at the same time, it means they're going to step away from you. And that is like yeah. kind of just like a universal sadness. And it doesn't. It's necessarily a heartbreak. Mean you, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and this is. Like that, that's it at like the most basic, like put it on paper level. But what watching Rose's turn becomes is like having these really dark feelings of mm-hmm. resentment for that, that don't get spoken a yeah. lot. Even if you do yeah. love your kids and you're not Rose, like this idea that you will put in so much. And if you're looking at it from a point of bitterness or a, as a transactional thing, even if you don't think you are like it yeah, can yeah. warp your, how you view your kids. Yep, and like, yep. again, the Jeanette McCurdy Burke book, I'm glad my mom died. Like I just kept thinking <laughs> about this, like, cause so much of it the is, title. yeah. I like literally, and like so much of that book is her mom. Like as soon as like one shoe drops for whatever Jeanette McCurdy's career is, she will find something else to do. Like she will immediately like go, oh, we'll pivot and we'll do this. And we're doing yeah. this because I love you. And I'm doing all this for you. And you are ungrateful to me. And like, she's a way more extreme, I think example than, yeah. than Rose, yeah. at least this fictional version of Rose, like her mom, this is getting kind of like off topic, but her mom does a lot more like, on paper monstrous stuff. But mm-hmm. um, even still, like just like that whole monologue sits there in this idea of like, you will resent your kids. They will leave you. Um, mm-hmm. They will get what you have that you do not get and will not show proper respect for that. And like, it is sure, just like right. the like delving into like, even like the most sanitary version of that, just like, and pulling that up. And I think that's yeah, hard to watch yeah. as a parent. It's hard to watch as a kid, even if you have a good relationship with your mom, yeah, you're yeah, like, oh, yeah. all the times I just stopped talking to my mother, like, right, or like, right. right. Or just thought she was like being like kind of like lame and I don't want to be around her or even just like I was thinking like, oh, my mom, you know, picked up second job. So like she could send me to private school, you know, because yeah, we didn't have yeah. the money for that. Like and it's kind of like and I'll just shit on like that nice education that I had, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, shit, yeah. like all of that lives in that song. And I could go on about it forever. Just like, no, the things, it's, it's, it, yeah, the so what I was going to say too specifically about that, though, is like I, I think what it does is it really does ground you in her intention however just however distorted it is you know and however poorly she executes it i don't doubt her intentions i don't doubt at least in her own mind so to me there's there's two things that 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 allows the story to do which unfolds well a they don't judge her i don't i don't think yeah 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 the 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 story is not judging her for that and nor is the performance judging her for being the way that she is I think it, it's coming at it from this weirdly like incre- kind of an incredible place of empathy of trying to just be like, I'm going to play this character, which is how you should play characters and how you should write characters is like every character in their own mind thinks that they're doing these things for the right thing. They don't think that they're doing it for the wrong reason. The other thing that's interesting that the story does is it gives her, as you just mentioned, two kind of crucial moments to there's like a back door where she can exit right, the right. trajectory that she's going on. And both times she chooses to not do the what we would call from the outside, if we're judging the quote unquote correct thing, the correct kind of, again, quote unquote correct thing, meaning the thing that we believe as the audience to be best for her kids or best for, you know, fucking uh, Herbie or for, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, And in both cases, that is not what she believes is best for her or what she wants. 
and you see her just sort of like flip the switch. But I think it's really interesting because a lot of characters don't necessarily get that opportunity to be like, here's the door to the fucking thing that you think that you probably should be doing, but they choose not to do it both times. And it, it it's it's sort of what bookends the first act. And it's also what is the pivot point of the second act. And it sort of, and it's fast, again, it's fascinating to watch because you're like, I get why she does it. I get why she makes that decision. I don't judge her for it because I understand why this person at this time in this position with this fucking life would choose to do these things. And I don't necessarily even fucking know if I would have made a different decision. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Um in talking about like writing this character. So um, as we mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, this is based loosely on um, the memoirs of Gypsy Rose Lee, Louise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But also uh, her other daughter, June Havik um, also wrote a memoir about her mother. And there's a lot of varying different accounts of like how their mom Mm -hmm. was in real life. In real life, it was also kind of like rumored that she had like murdered two people or at least killed, committed a manslaughter. I could believe it. Uh, (laughs) Like uh, at least two people. My kids careers. Right. And also like tried to at one point kill the, the, the character Tulsa. I think his real name was Billy, like threatened to kill him and then could not do that and had to be like pulled off of him. But like both the thing that's interesting to me is um June in particular was like, I have no regrets about how my mom treated me because June did go on to have a fairly she already as a kid had a decent like kind of little rascals esque vaudeville successful career like she was doing well uh in real life events and then after she left her mother you know had a had a decent working film career you know nothing like she's never going to be a huge celebrity but like you know she was working and i mean and i mean while louise had her own kind of like semi-stardom um and my mom like remembers talking about um her having her talk show and everything like that but anyway besides the point they both kind of come away from this thing where like i love my mother she was not a monster like and i and so when and actually, uh, I think it was Ethel Merman approached Arthur Lawrence, who wrote the um, book for this show about doing this. He was originally like, no, I don't want to do something about like two theater kids. And then someone had told him like, oh, no, this is like about a woman who has tried killing people and also is trying to live vicariously through her children or sees where she is trying to find make up for lost ground that she did not have. And that was the angle that he was like, that's interesting. Like, this is a woman who was trying to love her kids by giving them the life that she wanted, she which is like what had. most parents. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's it's this very like dramatic like setting for it. And so, yeah, that because like the, the memoirs are obviously told from their point of views and their point of views are interesting. But it's like the driving force is is that, you know, that is the common theme there was whatever. However, Luis and June tell events and had their own fallouts. Rose is driving all of this. And so just the switch to put Rose in the driving seat for it dramatically and not make it. Yeah, story yeah. Per se is like really good. Oh man, that that one scene, the the one we were just talking about, where she's she gets um, Louise to be the person who's going to fill the role for the burlesque dancer, mm-hmm. and it's like as fucking uh, Herbie wants to like leave her and stuff, and then she sort of like pulls ro- or pulls, um, well, I mean Gypsy pulls Gypsy aside and just sort of like has this exchange with her where she's just like, again, I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact lines, but she's basically like, we cannot walk away as losers. If yes, we walk yes. away, we need to walk away with our heads held high. If that means that this is the thing that we have to do. Yeah. And, you know, and this is the way that we have to frame it. She's like, that's that's what matters the most. It's not that we lost is that we left on our own fucking terms. And then, like, you you can see it in her eyes where she's just like, OK, mama, like basically like fully like understand. It's like it's such a fucking gut-wrenching scene because yeah, you're like yeah. it's it's like a that's what I mean again where I'm like she's not wrong 
Right. She's right. kind of not wrong. She's kind of doing it in this like really fucked up, like terrible way. And in like this really awful circumstance. But like the lesson that is being taught here in some sort of way is like kind of a good lesson, even though it's not exemplified. Uh, and that's not how I would have done it. But I'm also like good for hashtag, you know, good for her dot gif. It's it's all these things on paper that you would want a mother to be someone who is optimistic and who wants to push for you and to, who wants to like, you know, fight for your well-being and your dignity. But it is in like these extreme. Right. <laughs> you got it against the fact that that you that she's not actually thinking of her children, even though she thinks she is, you know, she is thinking of herself and, you know, treating her daughter as an extension of herself and not as her own person, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. And like, the, like that, those two things against each other just make it like gut wrenching to watch because it's understandable. You understand why she is doing that. And it is a good thing to say you leave something with your head held high. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the circumstances are like not great. <laughs> yeah. And so, it's, so this is sort of to the point of what you were saying, where they were both in the memoirs being like, our mother was not a monster and she was not a bad person. And I think that's what. I, I my my thought is is that particularly now in the context of how media is viewed as characters of just being like toxic or not toxic or like you know a person who's destructive and not supportive and like this is such an interesting it, it just it arouses so many complicated feelings about about family and about love and about your the person that's looking out for you and how much they're even capable of doing that and like having to sort of understand that this person is just this deeply flawed person, even if it happens, to, unfortunately, it just happens to be your mother. And unfortunately for Louise, um, you know, or for Gypsy, like she still even gets lost at the end, but it ends up ultimately also falling on her to be the person to have that kind of compassion and to just like allow her mother to be like, I, she doesn't forgive her, obviously. Or she, I shouldn't say obviously. They don't say like, I forgive you. It's all okay. It's like, right. You get the sense that this character like understands, like she gets it. She understands why it came out the way that it did. And it's like this interesting catharsis for her. Um, but real quick before we move on to anything else, I wanted to talk about the, um, uh, what's what is what's the name of the last song? The one that she does where she everything's sort of has uh, oh, um, Rose's turn. Rose's turn. So yeah, I thought a lot about this song and about that sequence of events and a lot about why because it, it was it's it's incredible. It's it, it's it's such this incredible moment for the character for the story as far as where you place a song and it was it's one of these again. Uh, Please don't at me and say that I like musicals now because I don't. But just in the context of this, you're like, yes, there is a reason why I I get why people think this is one of the best things ever made mm. because it does a lot of stuff that other musicals don't. And I was trying to think about why this works so well in this context. And I think I understand what it was. And, and this is just sort of my own quick theory that I came up with. And I wanted to sort of share this with you that I thought a lot of the reasons that I hate musicals particularly in the opening is that it's always the 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 outward sort of expository expression of i want songs it's like you start with a character and it's like i want to just be whatever a fucking princess or marry this guy or whatever the fuck it is and they sing it directly to the audience uh it's literally within the first like five minutes of a show and i've complained about this plenty where i'm like i don't even know this character why the fuck am i am i hearing you like yell your emotions at me like right off the bat Right. What what this story did that as far as I can tell, which I think is such a fascinating choice creatively is effectively that song is the I want song, but it comes at the end of the fucking show. 
And what it, what that allows you to do is, is like, and you look back at it, you're like, all of the other songs are her lying to herself and also lying to the audience, not because she's a liar, but because she has not yet arrived at the understanding of what's happening. And, and you see this, this character go through all these things. You see all these decisions that she makes. You see how she navigates the world. And what essentially ends up happening is, is by the time that this moment comes, you've seen her lose all this stuff. You've seen everyone push her away. Uh, she, everyone sort of leave her. And what you experience in that moment is you experience that realization with her. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's, it's earned. It's earned that it's not just that she's just like her mom, her daughter is just like, mom, I think you wanted to live your own life. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it doesn't do this Disney Channel shit. It fucking it drags her through the mud. It puts her through the shit. It puts so much, you know, fucking complication and adversity in front of her and takes everything away from her. And it's only in that moment that she's able to understand why this is happening and what it is about herself. And crucially what it does, it's almost like it sort of reminded me of this is a stupid uh, parallel, but it kind of reminded me of Star Wars where it's like what Star Wars does in that moment very famously of like Luke's like use the force, Luke and Han Solo is there. It's like it does like this triple thing where it's like Mm -hmm. Han Solo comes, Luke uses the force and the Death Star blows up. And it's like this really satisfying ending where everyone loves it. This is something similar where it's like the character has this realization of like why her life that's earned. The audience has this realization where it it sort of sees her do it, but you also are like, she's actually not wrong. Where right, she says, yeah. like, I should have been this, I should have been this. By this time, you've spent two hours following her and you've seen every aspect of what she's done. And you're and I mean, at least for me, I'm like, yeah, she should have fucking been famous. She had what it took. She's the one who fucking drove all those people. She really is a fucking star. And then crucially, you get to have this song where she fucking has this fantasy moment of like, this is what it's, this is what it should have been. Yeah. And like, she gets to sing this song and it's her on the stage and she does it. And it's fucking like, uh, it's so emotional. It's really, really emotional. It's really incredible. And it, it, it like, it goes one, two, three in a row. And it like, and then it just sort of ends. And like, that's, that's what you, it leads towards. So I thought that that was such an interesting way of, of taking what you would normally think of a structure and just flipping it really. No, and it, and that it has like this ending of this meta moment where the audience is applauding both the actress, but it becomes mm-hmm. like what Rose has always wanted to hear for herself. Like, is it's like it was even watching like um, Imelda Stone in character as Rose taking yes. bows after yes. Rose's turn is just like one of these like incredibly emotional thrilling things is like um, yeah, there is that like oh she was fantastic doing that role, but it is uh-huh. like you are playing into this fantasy that she's only now realized like that this is what I actually want. This is what I've wanted. I've wanted to do this for myself and I mm-hmm. didn't get to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. What I wanted was to have my, my time and the audience audience is applauding her and she's yeah. getting that moment at the and very end after it. all yeah. this misery. It's like, yeah. it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so like, it's so beautifully written. It's so yeah. uh, like elegantly constructed. It's such like a, I, I don't, you know, I say this as a person who's tried to write so many screenplays and stories and, and, and all that stuff where I'm like, it's I don't think people realize how hard it is to construct a story in that way and to have this character be somebody that's so interesting all the way through and not lose sight of uh, and not sort of like abandon them halfway through for just being this person that's like, yeah, whatever, they're toxic or they're mean or like they're so it's like it's really fucking hard to do that. And I think this this performance in particular, again, I, I haven't seen all the other ones, but just it's it's commendable how well it's done and how beautifully it's constructed and how incredible that catharsis feels. 
yeah, I do. If you are like, if you if you did like enjoy like this moment theatrically, dramaturgically, um, dramaturgically, looking yeah. at like <laughs> like looking at Patty Lapone's version of it in comparison, because it's it's just um what what people find in in what okay I, sorry I'm getting off topic um here, but what I did want to say was yeah. um so Sondheim wrote the lyrics for this. This was like right mm-hmm. after West Side Story. Um, when they were looking for someone to write music for it, they yeah. wanted they being Ethel Merman and then the producer uh, David Merrick. Um, wanted uh, somebody known. So Sondheim at the time was still not really known. So they were like, well, we don't want you to do it. And he's like, well, I don't like if we only want you to write the lyrics. And he's like, I'm not going to do it if I only write the lyrics. And then I think, I think uh, Oscar Hammerstein, the second was like, no, you got to do this. And Jules Stein wrote the score. But um, thinking about this and like the, the, the timeline of Sondheim's work where uh, the the lyrics in this are pretty straightforward as they are in West Side Story. Like these aren't particularly complicated ones, but what I like so much about them, having revisited this for the first time in a while, is how straightforward they are and how much they do actually sound like dialogue when you sit down and break them there. There's yeah, not a lot of yeah. fancy, funny joke. Look, there's, you gotta have a gimmick is a funny song. So that's where like there are sure. like jokes and that's like- That's a fun moment, yeah. Yeah, and it's a fun moment. That's more like your tradition, it feels more traditionally Broadway, but a lot of what Rose is saying when you break it down sounds like actual dialogue and they sound mm-hmm. like these simple, like dynamic things that a person like her would say like forcefully, like you'll be swell, you'll be great, you know, like, like, everything like we're, we're doing this and we're doing that. And the, just the, the way those lyrics flow into Arthur Lawrence dialogue. I don't know. Like they feel like mm-hmm. so seamless to me. Like, yeah. obviously you hate musicals and you're always going to hear music <laughs> and you're just gonna be like, fuck this. But to me, like to me, you don't, you, I mean, you do notice it cause there's like the orchestra and everything, but like they move so seamlessly in between one another that like, it just feels like an extension of the dialogue that is already happening, which is what I think the goal is when you are writing Music for a musical, yeah, like yeah. a book musical. Also, this is this. A lot of the musical numbers tend to come in the form of like the vaudevillian sort of interstitials. Yeah. So I think that sort of softens the blow of like now I'm going to stop what's happening to sing a song. It it that's part of how I feel like it ends up going or moving sort of like with the speed that it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, it's there's always tension. There's always like the sense of like how is she going to fuck this up? How right. Every time Rose shows up in a scene, yeah. you're like, oh no, you're just like, oh, oh no. no, what is she going to do? Every time oh, no. she opens the door and comes in, you're just like, oh, God, no, what's going to yeah. happen? And, you're and like, they give yep. her that brief reprieve at the beginning of act two where it's like the wherever we go, wherever we do. And you're like, OK, yeah. Rose isn't fucking everyone's kind of on board with it. And you're like, but she's going to fuck it up. She's going to fuck it up real bad. Oh, man. It's like, yeah, again, with succession, like you're just waiting for these people to fuck up because, you know, like what what they want is not what they need. And they don't realize that. Right, you know? right, right. Exactly. Yeah, Or what they need is not what they want. And they don't realize that rather. And that is what Rose's thing is, is like what she wants is something entirely different than what she needs. And she's only yeah, realizing need. it. That's what it always comes down to. It, it really is all that. What it, what it comes to every story to. class. They're just like, what's your characters want? What's your need? Do they get what they want? Yeah, they what they need, why or why not, and then that's that, that's essentially Puts how you the write pedal every to story. the metal. With yeah, this just does it like added. It, it understands that from the very first second it opens to the closing. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. from the moment Rose pops those balloons to like her limping away after her daughter, you're just like, damn, like a broken, sad balloon herself. There we go. Yeah, I just pulled yeah. That out. <laughs> yeah. Man, uh, but uh, but honestly, just inspiring in terms of like, fuck, I, I yeah. gotta step my writing up. I'm like, that's some just seriously really good writing. dramatic fucking writing. Christ. Yeah, I mean the fact that I watched. The, this version and then it was immediately like okay I went and watched the Bette Midler version and then I went yeah. and watched the 1962 version starring Rosalind Russell like and they all are basically the same Arthur Lawrence famously hated the 60s movie but like there's a lot of, like it's fairly straightforward of an adaptation I never quite got his hatred for it but like it is the same story every time and I sit there just like gripped by it just because 
the writing is I'm so surprised strong. there's no like proper, you know, film version of it now. I think the Bette Midler one was like a film. It was like a TV movie, right? There's a TV one. And then there's kind of been um, just for the longest time. It's like one of those projects that it's like, who knows if it's ever going to happen. That Barbara Sh- In development hell of Barbara Streisand producing a production of Gypsy. But that has existed for as long as I can remember them being like, yeah, Barbara Streisand's going to produce. It's just kind of been stuck in development hell. I could see this easily being a TV series as well. Like you could, yeah. like this could be like a prestige. I mean, fuck just bring Imelda Staunton back. Just have her do it. Just do it again. Uh, she can do film. It, she can it do theater. It would lend itself. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> also even it. that last bit where like, you know, where she does the last night, I'm like, you could see that being like a big fun, like crazy thing where she just really, like I could see that translating to film. And also the one more thing I wanted to mention is like, a lot of the dialogue scenes do, do just feel like a straight up play, like, an, yeah, like yeah. a really good dramatic play. Like where I'm like, okay, yeah. this will translate. You could have this be like a good, it's filmic right. in that sense. Right. It reminded me a lot of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf when I break it down. That's exactly what I had down to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote that note. I was like, Apparently, it's a Virginia Woolf and it's also a fucking, it's like a Mike Nichols joint is how it felt to me. Very much so. Apparently, so there's like a cinematic universe because, of course, um, uh, uh, Milda Staunton was in Vera Drake, Mike Nichols' great, fantastic mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. Also, just like uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. She's also played Martha. I was wondering, I was like, has she ever played Martha in a production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And apparently she has. And I'm like, because I've seen her yeah. in a bunch of Sondheim related stuff and she's always fantastic in it. So I was not shocked yeah. that she was absolutely incredible in this. Honestly, I'm not I'm not trying to turn this into a Melda explain in the podcast, but no, like, no, I'm, no. Just, let's, I'm let's enamored revive, of her. We'll revive right the corpse of Mike Nichols. We'll bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. From the dead and Imelda Staunton, we can just, I don't know how yeah. old she is now, but I don't know if she's she like looks 67. any different. She's like 67. She could, she could do it. She, she could still shit. do it. Yeah. She could still yeah. do it. Boom. Bring him back. Let's make this movie that should have existed. Yeah. Uh, it would have been yeah. a great companion to this because I can see oh, there's Mike so Nichols, many small yeah. moments. Loving it. Um, I'm, I'm really glad you, you know, for all the things that you've had to watch that you enjoyed this because I forgot no, just was, how good this was. I, I yeah, loved this when I was younger and I forgot how good it was, you know, just kind of no, floored by it fascinating it's it's really just like a fantastic character study it's it's really incredible it really is it deserves the accolades and the sort of superlatives for it i I was really impressed Uh, i was i was surprised by myself getting like like at the end like at that last number just being like oh my god and sarah was like you liked it and i was like holy shit (laughs) (laughs) you're like man yeah um that was a fucking show yeah i'm like that is truly that is theater with a like an re at the end of it so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there was there were eight million other things about this production I really really liked, but like at the end of the day, it's it's just good, man. Like it's just good. So, like Lu- I think Louise is really easy to kind of get lost in the show, but I really like the actress. As who is the Louise character, in this. right? <laughs> As is the character, right? Like it's again, all the meta stuff is like really funny here, but uh, I really love that actress. There's that moment where like Tulsa's doing all I need is the girl, and it's uh, I, I guess another tangent here about filming. Um, uh, sh- shows filming uh, pro shots here, but yeah, the camera yeah, yeah, yeah. is this really good at shifting the way between. That the other one was n- no, and like there's that scene where like so sh- that's that scene where he's dancing and it, the camera knows when to kind of like close in on her face, mm-hmm. and you can just see mm-hmm. like the desperate sadness, and it's like comfortable enough to cut away from the dancing where it knows the dancing does not need to be focused on right yes. there, but it never forgets about it. It's just like it's just to me. I was like, okay, like this is where I see the difference between like a newsies versus yes. this. It, it knew how to kind of highlight where the drama was. Exactly. Really well, in my yeah. Opinion. I, I got to be honest. I didn't even notice the f- the filmmaking of it. Sure. Sure. Because I was paying because also because the story was so good and I was like distract. I don't know if I was distracted is the right word. I guess I was engrossed in it. 
and the filmmaking didn't fuck up me trying to understand the story. So sure. Uh, I can't say defective effectively if it was, I can't share my opinion on it other than to say like, I didn't even notice it. Cause I was like, it did its job. so I guess that's probably, it's the best. That's probably a good yeah. job. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, it did its job. It felt that's like funny. I like that you're paying attention to cuts now. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is so much better than the news. Yeah. <laughs> like it really it is helps following if you have an the incredibly drama. well-written story. That's sure. Like a yeah. Fascinating exactly. character. No like, offense to Newsies, but you're, you're not Gypsy yeah. the Musical. I'm sorry. It's just, yeah. the, I'm sure that helps be a honest little here. bit. Yeah, <laughs> that would have helped if you were more like that show instead of the show that you are. Yeah. But what can you do? Um, but yeah, just uh, love yeah. it. What a treat love to revisit it. it. I'm I'm really, really, really glad we finally yes. got to the show. So yeah, truly, truly iconic. It, it truly is yeah. like a incredible piece of work. Um, yeah, and, and you'll just writing. be going sing out Louise like I always sing sing out Louise to my dog, and uh, yeah, you'll find yourself singing Rose's Turn in the Shower every day like I do. It's it's just it's just once you once you see it, you can't unsee this show in a good. No, way. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be thinking about it for a while. Too. I, I can I, I still have been thinking about it and I'm just like man it's heavy Damn, like those moments good are so shit. good good shit <laughs> yeah. good drama yeah. good dramatic writing good dramatic yeah. writing. good characters Mwah. interesting characters um, so sorry we just basically slobbered uh, all over how fantastic we didn't really have any criticisms of it no not really I don't um, I'm good. Honestly, I'm like, I enjoyed everything about that and have no beef. Yeah. You guys should yeah. check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, yes. It's a good one. Um, so I guess that about wraps up our analysis. Um, yes. And uh, before we go on to our usual, you know, exiting of of, uh, of call to actions and whatnot, uh, we wanted to make a very significant announcement. Um, this is uh, and this is weird. I don't even know how to say it. But uh, so we have decided Angie and I have discussed. We've been chatting. We sort of thought about it um, and we've decided that um, so our seasons usually end probably so this season will end around um, Christmas time so I think next month um, there's about two or three episodes left of this season uh, and we've discussed it and decided that uh, this will in fact be our last season of the musical spinning podcast yes yeah Um, Um, it was it's a sorry go ahead no 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 no. you you finish what your thought (laughs) I I was just gonna say it's It's not it's not a decision that we necessarily took lightly, um, although it is a decision. Obviously, Angie, I'll I'll let you speak to you could just say, Mm. no, he's lying. Uh, All that stuff's made up. But uh, (laughs) uh, it's it's one that we decided mutually. It was, you know, there's a lot of million little sort of micro reasons. But I think the most important reason is that we both felt like it was it's time. And, you know, and sometimes in creative projects or in life, you sort of you have to feel it out and you have to be honest with how you're feeling on the inside and sort of yeah. be, be honest about what it is. And it feels like, you know, it feels like it's a good time for this to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've gotten to experience a lot of really interesting stuff. Obviously there's, you know, with, with the art form changing as it does, there will always be shows coming in and out. But for right now, I feel like we've kind of explored the gamut of like our feelings <laughs> about things yeah. in as many ways as we could. So it's not a decision based out of like, Ah, it's more just like, yeah, this feels about this feels about yeah. right. You know, yeah. it's like, um, you know, I, I talk about the Beatles a lot, but I'm like, but I would I rather the Beatles kept going on or ended on. No, Abbey some Road. of their best records were fucking solo records. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So what you're I'm, saying is I'm you're going to be do wings and uh, yes. then, yeah, it's going to be I'm great. Gonna release gonna get... Paul McCartney self-titled. It's an excellent yeah, you're, record. You're, That's what I'm you're going to do next. simply having a wonderful Christmas time. But no, yeah. it just felt like, um, again, to bring up the Beatles, all things must pass. And this has been a tremendous amount of fun um the last couple of episodes i think are going to be really fun too but it felt like you know 
this too must pass. All things this must too pass. Shall, and yeah, all things must pass. We've done so much that it's kind of just like the ro- the door's always open for more. But where we are right now, it felt like this this was kind of it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I I fucking had no. I mean, dude. This is this. Is, I've been on this for four years now. That's insane. Uh, Lindsay sort of pitched me this idea as a we were joking, right? Initially, right. and then I'm like. Uh, if you think about how much we've overcome and, you know, between the fucking <laughs> pandemic. Right. Yeah. Like, or I thought you just meant like coast. having to watch musicals, like how no. much you have. I mean, that too. Had, that's like a big that's part like, of it for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, but just like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I shouldn't say it goes without saying because we should say it, but like, I'm incredibly proud of the work. I'm yeah. incredibly proud of, of how we were able to sort of work through it. I'm yeah. incredibly proud and grateful for you for stepping up. And I, I know that that wasn't easy like to just be <laughs> like, hey, here you go. Now you're in fucking yeah. Lindsay's shoes. Yeah, uh, it, it I'm was, incredibly. Yeah, I, I'm impressed with that. I'm also incredibly grateful to Lindsay for starting this. Obviously, we'll tell her uh, at some point. Yeah. So she doesn't just hear it through the podcast. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, it, 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 I didn't think we'd get to this many fucking episodes. I got to be honest. This is crazy. I can't believe we're this. I've now seen. I've gone from being the guy who's never really seen a musical to having seen every fucking musical. You've so seen I'm all like, the musicals. You've yeah. seen all the musicals now. And I think that's, I mean, that is kind of it. It's like, well, again, the yeah. smart form that's like, always going to exist. There's going to be more to come, obviously, <laughs> and like it'll sort of go on. But I'm like, I think I got it. I think, like, I think I got it. I think I understand yeah. now. I think I you understand. It out. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I've seen and, it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's ending on, it's ending on a lot of, on, on what's the uh, arrest development? It's like, um, there's been a whole lot of like, what does he say? A whole lot of uh, drama or whatever. And Lucille Bluth goes, and a whole lot of love. And a whole lot of love. A lot of love, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm misquoting that, but, like, I just, like, Lucille Bluth, and a whole lot of love, but a whole lot of love. love. Uh, But, yeah, but a whole lot of love. I, I too, am incredibly proud of this. This has been um, something I never thought I would ever do and uh, has, like, pushed me to to, to think about things in ways they don't because I am, you know, I usually have two brain cells rubbing each other at any (laughs) given time, and that's about it. Wow, you got two to spare? Damn, I got, like, one by itself. And I'd only met you a couple of times before I had had Mm -hmm. picked up hosting this, and so it was like I made a friend. I got to revisit a lot of things I liked. I got to reevaluate things that I just had could see where I'd come from when I'd first seen mm-hmm. them and enjoyed mm-hmm. them. And now seeing like how you move away from a piece of art and it doesn't, you know, I don't know. It's just been, it's been a very interesting experience because yeah, it's been like, I think two and a half years for me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Something about that, something about that. So yeah, I, I have, yeah, been on through the ups and downs of it and experienced a lot of really great stuff and and and, and um, I'm very proud of what we've done and proud to have you as my co-host. Um, yeah. It's been so much fun talking to you. I'm never talking to you again after this. This is yes, an end here. This is, we're going to for sure after this never done. talk again. And yeah. Um, the friendship's over. Uh, goodbye. And yes. uh, no, but in, in, in all sincerity, it has been like just lovely having you as a co-host yeah. and talking about this and, and getting really deep into our feelings and yes. also just having a lot of laughs. But yeah. A lot of laughs. Um, and of it course, right. we're, we're we're so grateful to the audience and we're so grateful yes. to you, the listener, for yeah. you know, allowing us to keep going. But I, I, maybe we should save some of this for our finale. For our finale uh, I episode. feel like I'm accepting like an Academy Award right now. Be like, <laughs> I want to thank the listener. It's time to play anyway. you off. Let's yes, get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of messages once this uh, once this airs. But we just wanted to give you guys a heads up because I, yeah. I personally know of a few podcasts that just sort of like dropped their last episode. They're like, OK, yeah. bye. We're done now. And I was like, we should probably give them like a little bit of notice. So yeah. don't worry. Yeah. We're not done yet. This is not the finale. We still got a few left um, at le- three, two, two or three, two or three, two or three left. Three, I think three, three left. left. Yeah. Um, so we'll still be around. We'll, 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 we've got a couple of more um, live streams on the pod on the uh, Patreon left. 
Yeah. Uh, which, of course, please, if you have not done so, go ahead and sign up for our Patreon. I yeah. don't really know uh, exactly where it's going to go, but fun stuff will happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, I'm sure you're going to be uh, have a lot of feelings to express to us, not only about Gypsy, but also about us ending. You're probably going to be like, thank God, good riddance. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, we are <laughs> They finally took swinging. him out back. They took yeah. him behind the bar. We're at Musical uh, Splaining with no G on Twitter. Yep. And we're at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Of course, I am at uh, Covetarian on Twitter. I'm not at Covetarian, but just look for me on um uh, what is it called? I'm trying to blank. So many fucking social media apps to follow. Uh, on Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Yeah. Find me on Blue Sky. And I'm at Perma Friends on Instagram. Additionally, people in the Los Angeles area, just a heads up. I will be at Los Angeles Comic Con December 1st through 3rd. Uh, I'll have another panel. Um, we'll be talking about Mena stuff. I'm very excited about it. But I've also got a table in small press. Please come see me. Come see my books. Come see my arts. Come see my face. Yes. Uh, I'd love to talk to you as always. Uh, it's always nice to see fans of the podcast yeah. come. It's, and... it's Kavi's turn. Yeah. <laughs> Let him have a dream for himself. Go out and see My time. Basically, yes. I'm like Rose. I'm just like, listen, I've been <laughs> shepherding this podcast along and it's time. I do actually have uh, another thing that I've been working on that I'm hoping to get, you know, up and running before this totally uh, shuts down, just so you guys know about it. Because once the show's gone, I'm sure it's going to be hard to, you know, reach you all at the same time. But stay tuned for yeah. that. I'll, I'll have more information on that soon, hopefully. Um, but anyway, Angie, go ahead. You. Oh, as always, why Angelina? Why on the artist formerly known as Twitter and on Blue Sky and I'm Angelina underscore S-E-E on Instagram. And uh, I have a speaking of things I talked about at the end of this, uh, um, something in the works coming out with Lindsay. That should be really fun to watch on Nebula. That is. All right. It's going to be a big labor of love. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's about it for me. Um, our our next couple of episodes that we do have lined up are going to be really fun. And for as much as you really really like this, this next thing is going to be punished. It's <laughs> <laughs> so always how it goes. Tuned. You get a good one and a bad one. A good one. Right? And a bad. I get happy in one right? and then depressed in another one. Then I'm depressed in one and then I get a happy one afterwards. So right. Yes, it's, it's such it's, as it's, it goes. The circle of life continues on despite endings. But uh, yes, uh, that's uh, about all I got to say. And uh, um. You know, until then, uh, sing out. Just sing out, Louise. Listen, um, it's it's Kava's turn. It's my turn. It's Kava's turn. For me. Anyway. See you at the theater. The theater. Uh, uh, uh.